0: David is on the run from Absalom Whew, because of the intel of Zadok and Abishai. He's able to get over the Jordan before Absalom catches him and he's doing great. And it says there in 2 Samuel that everybody gets across. yoo everything's awesome. And they cross the Jordan and then they turn. They got to keep moving. But before them is a wilderness, the Bible says. A wilderness full of very little water, long walks, scraggly trees. This is bad. And he's probably got 2,000 fighting men at the most. And Absalom is chasing him with an army of about 12,000 men. And David is probably at the greatest discouragement he's been at for a long time. And now he's got to keep moving through this forest. And how are they going to eat? And what are they going to do for water? But then, God shows up through the mercy and the kindness of three men. Shobai, Mechir, and Barzilia. That's a cool name. Barzilia. They're chieftains who are under David. They're part of the whole system there in Israel. And Brasilia, in particular is an old man. And I guess he's gotten to know David. And I keep thinking they could have used this opportunity to escape, become their own tribe and escape the rule of Israel. But I think they like David. They like his God. Well, it says instead of being a discouragement to David, these three men who you never hear of really again... They're an encouragement. They show up with food at just the right time when David needs it. And they show up with donkeys and, and barley and wheat and honey and cheese curds. Oh, that'd be great. You know, blah, blah, blah. You ever had cheese curds? They squeak. And sheep and cheese and milk and beds and earthen vessels and all the stuff they need to survive. And David's like, Oh, thank you. This is just what we need at this moment. Man, I hope I'm that person. Don't you want to be that person who's an encouragement? You know, later on in the book of Acts, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Let's encourage each other. Let's help each other. When we get down, when we get discouraged, I want to be that person who shows up and helps. The Bible says the church are his hands and his feet in the world. Sometimes God shows up directly and intervenes directly. But many times God shows up through other people who are willing to do what God asks of them. You are willing to serve the Lord. That's how God shows up, through us. Man, I hope you're that encouraging person. I hope when you show up, people are like, Ugh, here comes Darren Downer. He's all depressed. Ugh, what's he going to do? Or, ugh, here comes Charles. You know, he's in my grade now. And, ugh, he's the worst to teach. Or are you like, hey, here comes Charles. He's going to say something funny, encouraging. He's going to pat me on the back. He's going to listen. When you walk into the break room at work, I hope people are encouraged and want to come to you to talk. Not the other way. Ugh, he's just going to tell me something else Depressing. Well, Shobi, Makir, and Varzilia are those positive, encouraging people, and God uses them to give him food. Well, they come to this town called Mahaneem. It's really hard to say Mahanim. They come to this city, and it's on the east side of the Jordan. And here, David says, "All right, we are gonna muster our troops, and we are gonna fight. This is where the battle's gonna take place." And Absalom crosses the Jordan as well, and he settles there with his troops, about 12,000 fighting men from Israel. And David, probably by this time, he's able to get some of the men of Mahanaim to join him, and maybe he has a force of 3,000, maybe let's say he doubles it to 4,000 but essentially absalom is fighting with 12,000 men or more and david has a paltry 2 to 4,000 men the numbers are overwhelming but there's a couple things on david's side number 1 david is smart militarily and he immediately splits his troops up into three different groups And one he puts under the command of Abishai, and the other one he puts under the command of Joab, his head general, and the other third he puts under the control of Ittai the Gittite. Yes, he's back. Well, these are all good fighters. And that's the other thing is, yes, he doesn't have a lot of men, but his men know how to fight. He has 600 men of valor, valiant men who can fight, who are good with a sword, who are experienced in battle. A lot of the 12,000 that Absalom had were just men who came from the tribe of Judah or from the tribe of Issachar. They just show up because they're supposed to and they're not really fighting ready, but they're there. Well, David, he has fighting men. Number two, he's got military smarts splitting his men up. And number three, he is going to fight them in a terrain that matters, where his numbers will have an advantage. He wants to fight them, not in some big plane where they're just going to charge at each other. And just charge. And his 12,000, Absalom's 12,000 men in a big open space would just wipe out David's small force of 600 good fighters and the rest, they would just wipe him out. He's got to find a terrain where they can fight hand to hand. Where they can fight individually. Where it forces people to take on people face to face, one at a time, mano a mano. You know, rather than a whole army against another army. And he looks over and he sees the woods of Ephraim now this area we're not certain where it is not today but back then it was a gnarly place it was bad it had lots of trees but nasty trees and big holes in the ground where you would just stumble uh, fall into and tar pits I mean this was a bad place but David's like if I can fight Absalom's troops there I think we have a chance of win it Well, the next day, the sun rises, and the two troops look at each other, and David's troops have switched over to go over there by the forest of Ephraim and Absalom thinking I have got the troops I've got everything taken care of and his army was led under a man named Amasa. and he doesn't really have a lot of fighting knowledge but but he's got he's got the overwhelming numbers and whoosh, ah, they fight and they run into that forest of Ephraim now why Absalom let his troops get sucked into that forest I don't know but man, this is where David's troops reign supreme. And in the middle of that force, here comes Absalom's troops. And they're running in the force and I can't see anything. And then one of David's men leaps out from a tree. Oh, ugh dead goes hides behind the tree then another man comes on then jumps down from the tree one of david's men lops off his head and then he's dead and again they're fighting and david's men are able to use the terrain and absalom's men can't really see where they're at and david's men are able to jump in and fight hand to hand and it says too that on that day the forest devoured more people than the sword More people got killed running into trees, bang, oh, there goes my neck. More people were killed falling into pits, getting stuck in a tar pit and slowly drowning. Or I wonder, too, the idea, I guess, there in the Hebrew is that this was a supernatural devouring. That God used the forest in a supernatural way to destroy Absalom's troops. And I can imagine a tree all of a sudden taking one of its branches and just crushing, you know, 5,000 men taking them off their horses and then another tree raising its roots like a foot, crushing them into the ground. And, And other versions of the Bible say that wild beasts all of a sudden showed up as well but god was fighting for him and using this forest in an amazing way and at the end of the day david's troops won they overcame fantastic odds and won and so Absalom, he is getting out of town, and he is on his mule, and he's riding to get away, and he's going along, and he goes under a tree and sort of ducks his head, and there goes the mule, and the mule's like, hey, I'm a lot lighter here, I gotta get going, and he looks behind him, and oh, there's my rider, he's hanging on a tree, oh well, and the mule takes off, and there is Absalom, stuck in a tree, How? remember Absalom he had long beautiful hair well that long beautiful hair that he took care of and that he vainly threw around on his head and oh look how beautiful my hair is well that hair became its downfall because that hair got stuck in a tree it got stuck in the tree and the branches, literally the branches came along, God is here and here Absalom is hanging, it says between heaven and earth is literally what it says. Basically the idea here is the writer is letting you know his life and his chance to be king is hanging in the balance and here Absalom is hanging by his hair and he's trying to reach the ground so he can get some leverage and his toes are so close to the ground but he can't touch it and and then he's like oh can you imagine you know your hair caught and every time you move you ever had your hair pulled it hurts you know and he's like oh ow and he's trying to maybe untangle his hair and it's caught in the tree and he's just hanging there all oh, by the by his scalp that would hurt caught in this tree well along comes one of david's men and he's fighting along and he comes running through going on to the next battle and he stops and he looks over and huh there's Absalom stuck in a tree and I wonder if the man thought you know what I'm going to go over and kill him myself this will be great I'll be able to kill the king everybody knew it was Absalom because of his long beautiful hair must have been the oddest scene while this guy goes over to try to kill him and then he stops because at the beginning of the battle David had said to all the generals and to the troops, please deal gently with Absalom. Which basically means don't kill Absalom. So the soldier stops, because that's not what the king wants, and he goes and finds Joab. Well, Joab is this tough general. He comes over there, and, and as he's walking there, he tells the man, why didn't you kill him? If you had killed him, Joab says, I would have given you ten pieces of silver and a belt. Whoa, that's a lot, you know. Doesn't sound too exciting for us today, but back then, he's basically saying, I would have rewarded you with a lot of stuff. Ten pieces of silver and a belt. Get out of town. And they come up to Absalom, and they see him hanging there in that tree. And he basically asks him, why didn't you kill him? And the man says... I didn't kill him because, number one, David said to not kill him. And number two, if I'd killed him, I don't think you would have had my back, Joab. I think you would have stood aloof, is what the Bible says, and and not come to my defense. And then David would have had me killed. Nope, I'm, I'm glad I didn't do it. Well, Joab looks at Absalom just hanging there. I wonder if Absalom is pleading for his life to Joab. And Joab knows what David wants. Well, Joab, he doesn't care. And he grabs a spear from one of his men. long spear with a big pointy thing at the end. A big metal head that can go through anything. And he grabs another spear from another man. And then he grabs a third spear. He's got three spears and he takes them and he takes the first long spear, which is maybe as tall as he is, and shoves it straight into Ab- Shoves it straight into Absalom's heart. And Then he takes the other spear, and I can imagine he throws it straight into Absalom's heart again. And then he takes a third spear and drives it through. Joab is bloodthirsty, and he hates Absalom. Then it says that ten men take their swords and just hack Absalom to pieces and stab him. Absalom is dead. Then they take their swords and cut off his hair and chop him down from the tree, and then they find a pit and throw him in there and pile him over with rocks. See, it says in the Bible that Absalom had created this great monument to him so everybody would remember him, and that's where he wanted to be buried. Nope, Joab says, it's going to be the opposite. I'm going to throw you in the middle of a pit in the middle of this nasty forest, and nobody will hear of you again. Well, Joab then, smile comes on his face because he's realized they've just won and he blew the trumpet and he calls all of israel to him and he says all right we have won and it says all the men fighting for absalom flee and they go back home well ahimaaz remember him one of the spies he says hey i want to go tell david the good news please let me go tell david the good news I want to run because back then you didn't have your cell phone. You didn't have Fox News right there with the latest information. No, you had to go tell people. And he wants to run and go tell people. He wants to run and go back there to Mahanaim and, and tell David the good news. And Job's like, nope, you can't. Because Job knows how much David loves Absalom. And when he hears that Absalom is dead, probably Joab is worried that David is going to kill the messenger. You know, it's, that's what he seems to do. The messenger brings the news and David kills the messenger. And he's worried, Joab is, that he doesn't want to lose high. So instead he turns to another man. He's, he, all the Bible says is he's a Cushite there's just a random person there who fought for david and he says i want you one of joab's servants probably i want you to run i want you to go tell david that we have won the battle yes all right so the cushite takes off and he's running he's running but Ahai's still like no i want to go tell him please 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 let me go tell him please i want to give him the good news Job's like, alright, you know, he's looking at the Cushite as he's running, and he's know he's got a good head start, and he's like, Alright, you can go tell him. Well, there goes a you know, a high as I call him, and he's running and he's running as fast as he can. He wants to tell David the good news while well, the Cushite He's in. The lead, he's way ahead, you know, and he's thinking, I'm going to get it, tell David first. Well, A.I., it's sort of like that part in Mario Kart, you know, where you take the shortcut and you can get to the other side of the track faster and nobody else knows the shortcut. Well, it seems like A.I. knew a shortcut and it's like, (laughs) bloop, he takes the shortcut and now A.I. is in the lead. He's at the front. Well, David... He's waiting back at the city, and it seems like he's in a room above the city gates. He doesn't want to sit in the city dwelling with all the food and all the drink. No, he wants to be on the city gates waiting to hear about the fight, waiting to hear from his army what's happened. Well, one of the lookouts on top of the city gate, they see these two men running towards him. And they look at each other. And they're thinking, this is good news. Because generally, if somebody's running by themselves, they're bringing you good news. Hey, it's probably good news. And then one of them looks even closer. and I think that style of running, I think that's Ahimeaz. That's even better news. One of their own people coming back and, and in runs ah, 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 AI And he gets to David first and he runs in and he says, good news. Good news, the Lord has given Absalom into your hands. Good news, That we have won the battle. Yes! And David looks at him and his response is, What about Absalom? He doesn't rejoice with Ahi about winning the battle. No, his first question is, What about Absalom? Is he alive? Is he alive? Is he alive? And Ahi pauses. and I think he's smart here and he says, Well, There was a big commotion right before I left and there was a big commotion and he bows his head and and David says, all right, right, stand here because here comes the other messenger and he stands him off to the side and in comes the (sighs) Kushite. Oh man, I wonder if the Kushite's thinking, hey, I beat me. Ever wanted to tell somebody good news and I want to be the first to tell you. I want to be the first one to mention it. And then you find somebody beat you, telling the person the good news. Man, I wonder if that's the way the Cushite felt. But he's like, hey, good news today. Absalom's forces have been destroyed. And in the end, our team won. David, we defeated them. Everything is great. Specifically, the Kushite says... The Lord has delivered you this day from the hand of all who rose up against you. That's what he says. And David, immediately, his response is, Is Absalom alive? Is is everything okay with Absalom? And the Cushite pauses. He says this. May the enemies of my Lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil, be like that young man bows his head before the king now to me in modern parlance right in our modern language that doesn't seem that clear you know but in that day in the way the Kushite told him it's clear to David that Absalom his son is dead david he stands up and he goes over to the chamber above the city gates and he weeps and he cries and he mourns and he says oh my son absalom my son absalom and he weeps it over and over again he says would i have died instead of you and he cries and he cries and it says his grieving and his mourning is so strong And so loud and and so pitiful that the men who won the battle, who should be rejoicing and high-fiving each other instead, they go home like they lost the battle. Then they start to feel like, man, I feel bad. We just won a a battle against overwhelming odds. Yay. They're totally discouraged. Well, Joab... When he hears of this, he confronts David. And he says, listen, on this day, those men fought for you. On this day, those men saved your crown, saved your kingship. They saved you from death and your wives from death and your family from death. What about them? And he says, if you don't shape up, David, if you don't honor these men as you should it's going to be far worse for you in the future than you could ever imagine. Because he realizes that if David doesn't go out there and thank these men, these men are going to turn on him. You ever had that where you don't get what you want? And you're just crushed. And you're just destroyed. Destroyed. And you just weep and you cry internally. Maybe you don't externally, but you are destroyed. Something simple as on Christmas Day, you don't get the gift you want. The one gift you wanted, you didn't get. And you are just crushed. Or, or, or you know, more seriously, maybe somebody dies and you are crushed. And you love them. I can't believe this happened. And you grieve and you grieve and you grieve. But you grieve to such an extent, you forget the people who are alive around you. Or back to my Christmas morning example, you forget about all the other great gifts that you got. You don't see how the Lord blessed you, and you just fall into self-pity and depression. I think we need to take Joab's advice here, and we need to realize there are still people alive. There are still good things going on. Focus on those things. And you're robbing the people who are alive of time with you, of being encouraged by you. You could help them at this moment, but instead you're so focused on self. I hope we never do that. I hope we grieve properly, but we don't forget the people around us. And I hope if you ever get a Christmas gift that, hey, I wanted this one gift and I didn't get it. I hope you never throw a fit because that's ridiculous. You should be thankful for what you got. Well, David, he is just grieving and weeping. And Joab comes in and says, listen, you've got to change. If you don't, your men are going to turn on you and it's going to be worse than you can imagine. So, David... Again, he's listening to people. Earlier, he had wanted to lead his men into battle himself. He was going to be the head of the troops, but his men said, don't do that. Because if you get killed, the battle's over. And he listened to their advice. And now he doesn't know yet that Joab is the one who killed Absalom. But at this moment, he listens to the wise advice of Joab. And he goes down to the city gates where all the business is done. And it says that all of Israel gathers to him. And I can imagine he thanks each man who fought for him. And he hugs and cries with the widow who just lost her husband in this battle. And he pats the son and the child on the head who who lost their father in this battle. And he thanks people and he encourages people. And he shows up like he should. Well... Now David's got to go back to Jerusalem. What's Jerusalem like? Who's sitting on the throne now? Will the people accept him back? Will they accept him as king? How many battles in Jerusalem is he going to have to fight to take back Jerusalem? Will he have to fight at all? He'll come back next week, and we'll find out more. But hey, I just want to encourage you. Two lessons from today. Be an encouragement. Be that Barzillia in somebody's life. And number two, let's grieve. Let's be sad when things don't go our way. But let's not forget the goodness of God. And the good people around us. Now we're still here for a purpose. God is working on in our lives for our good. Let's live down here while the Lord's given us time to live. And let's be that encouragement to others around us. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.